0: So hello, folks, and welcome to this episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, deriving your sales forward. As always in the Sales Chat Show studio, Mr. Graham Jones, Mr. Anthony Steers, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. And Mr. Steers is joining us from A rather dodgy looking venue, judging by his background in Brighton, he's been to see the stand up comedian Michael McIntyre last night. But despite that fact, he is still here with the sales chat show. I hope Mr. McIntyre was very funny Anthony, last night and was worth worth it. Was it was it a good show?
1: was a brilliant show. Yes, my side still hurt. It was very good. I'm not in the nicest of hotels. I won't name and shame. But yes, if it's a bit noisy, I do apologise. And hopefully the Wi-Fi will hold. Oh, will see.
0: Fantastic, and you got me—you got me excited because Mrs. Hazeldean has got us tickets to Michael McIntyre as well in a few months' time. So looking forward to it. Never mind our stand-up comedy escapades. Some people <laughs> might say all of the sales chat show episodes are comedy, but uh, they'd be wrong. Uh, so this episode is called "Are You Guilty of Using the Three Words That You Should Never Use in Sales?" Oh, my goodness, what on earth could those three words be? I will hand over to Mr. Graham Jones, or the professor, as we prefer to (laughs) refer to him, in due recognition of his exceptional academic prowess, Mr. Jones. Enlighten us, sir. Uh,
2: Well, uh, this is not my exceptional academic prowess, (laughs) other than the fact that I read a blog post. Um, And so I have to credit the sales strategy blog Um, which is an excellent blog if you've not read it. Um, But the sales strategy blog um, posted recently uh, an article suggesting there are three words that salespeople should never use. And it got me thinking about, you know, do we choose the right words in sales? uh, Or are we a bit loose with our language? Uh, The three words they say you should never use in sales are pitch, close, and win. Um, And really, if you think about that, they are internal words. They're not the words you should be using with customers. So, for example, the word win, if you say to a customer, I I want to win your business, immediately, the customer thinks they are the loser. Because if you have a winner, you have a loser. So you've already put them into a negative frame of mind um so those those words should be reserved for internal use and not for uh, any connection with customers because you're already uh, making it less likely that they'll want to do business with you so i thought this was a good trigger for talking about are we choosing the right words and how do we go about the words we choose when we are selling
0: so the uh, the the sales strategy blog are they uh, was it specifically in the article where they say it's it's the external use of these words in a with a in a customer situation yeah or or not at all
2: no this is about facing the customer yeah this is about what the customer thinks about the words you use and they're suggesting those are three words that give the customer a negative view of you as a salesperson
0: yeah i i can i i am the recipient as i'm sure you gentlemen are of some perhaps slightly dubious and not particularly effective cold approaches on li- on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, I would, I would guess that would you, would you like to book some time for a sales pitch in my diary? Probably <laughs> sets up a certain expectation of, I don't know, mad men style advertising pitch or, or something coming. As an aside,
2: I report all of them to LinkedIn and, the reports always fail. They tell me it is not a problem. These are not spam. Uh, in So in Microsoft stroke LinkedIn's definition of spam, a random sales pitch to someone who you've never met before is not considered spam. But I still right. keep reporting them.
0: That's most, because I, I had one, I had just, one. just uh, a rude networking, rude, uh,
1: sorry, rude networking style, right? It's like going to a networking event and just running up to people and going, hi, I do this, do you want to buy it? No, okay, run on to the next person. Yeah. Hi, I do this, do you want to buy it? Yeah.
2: That <laughs> happened to me at a networking event where a guy comes up to me and says hands his business card to me, says, if you need any printing, uh, just give me a call. Um, I managed to lose his card somehow. I don't know, you know, it's a shame, isn't it?
0: <laughs> what is this? What is this business card of which you speak? <laughs> I can't can't remember the last time a business card came out of my out of my bag in a meeting. It just seemed to be an endangered endangered species. My favourite LinkedIn one was l- literally two weeks ago. I Simon, I've had a look at your profile and I think you would be an excellent fit for our business. Really like to get on a call partnership. How we might be able to train and support your sales team. <laughs> And i i actually i must i must have been feeling polite that day i went back and said if you want to go and have another look at my profile you might see that i've got this covered <laughs> because <laughs> because it's a, and it's, it's clearly it's an automated it's clearly automated bot or something so you know but the language it's interesting the, the language in those yeah, we're not knocking in any way at all, because, you know, I do it and, uh, you know, to, to is to send out LinkedIn messages as part of prospecting activity or business development. So absolutely not knocking it. But I think this does relate to your theme, doesn't it, Graham? But what's yeah. what's the language that you're using? And I'm interested in and, and, you know, with all due respect to the sales strategy blog. Yeah, you, you don't want to use these externally. But I'm also wondering. How realistic is it if if the three of us in an internal sales meeting are talking about pitching, winning, and closing, that that language doesn't leak out? You know, if that's yeah. what we're doing in the office or together on a, on a Zoom call, a planning call, it, it, it's more likely to leak, isn't it, into our communication with customers?
2: Well, it becomes part of your way of talking, and therefore you can't stop yourself from using the words in any situation where those words that you associate with those words, so they come out. So, yeah, you you should perhaps ban them internally. And, in fact, we have another episode of the Sales Chat Show talking about the fact that you don't need to close. The whole notion of closing a sale is, you know, ancient history and that we shouldn't really be talking about that anymore. So if you're using that, that suggests you're still focused on how how sales used to be when the world was in black and white.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't have a problem with the concept of closing at all, right? When it, winning the business, securing the result, getting getting the agreement, but I think it's that that phrase is loaded, isn't it, with some of the old school, you know, go for the close, coffee is for closers, and always be closing that we spoke about when we yeah. when we did that. So, what's your what's your thinking on on what kind of language should be being used, Graham? Well, we should be using language
2: that we are comfortable for our customers to hear. So um, we shouldn't be using words that we might think the customers would have any concern about. So if we're talking about them, you know, if you were talking about a, a client being your worst client, because mm-hmm. they're the most annoying, the most difficult and so on. And that's what you talk about in the office, because you rank your clients in some kind of, way that suggests how you know nice or nasty they are um that's going to leak out yeah so it's we've got to think about the whole way we think and talk about our customers um and you know relationship selling is about you know having a good relationship with people consultative selling understanding them all of those kind of things that if we don't if we if you had a relationship with someone where you were on the side talking negatively about them or framing negatively that's going to leak out towards them and then you end up with that relationship breaking down so it is about the whole way you think about the customers
0: yeah i've mm. i've um often um contemplated and, and and had conversations with people that that your internal conversations about your customers if if for example your customer was able to eavesdrop on you or they'd <laughs> I don't know. They'd bugged your office with listening equipment. Would they feel comfortable with what they hear as you talk about them? <clears throat> you know, and that is, um, yeah, you know, that's just I think just a, an interesting thing to consider because that's your ethos, your in your intent inside your organisation about how you talk and describe describe customers and I'm not saying of course that you know some customers aren't going to cause hassle or problems or or you know be difficult or challenging to deal with but it's it's, you know it's how you how you feel about it like like we're thinking the old closing the sale or overcoming objections language it sounds adversarial doesn't it so yeah. you're I don't know you're in the ultimate fighting championship you're submitting submitting the customer with a chokehold <laughs> to, 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 to you know to to win
1: um, objection handling is, is basically arguing. You're telling them why they reason why well, they don't want to do something isn't good enough. So for you to overcome the objection, you have to win the argument, which means they feel like you're either twisting their words or you're far yeah. superior in the conversation. So yeah, it's a it's that win, like Graham said, if if, if you talk about winning, then the opposite of that is where well, then I must have lost, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean
2: it's about seeing it as us versus them Mm -hmm. um and but if you if all the words you use in the office are us versus them this isn't about a relationship with the customer yeah
0: I mean I've been I've been mentioning the concept of overcoming objections literally with a client this week and I said look I I I have to declare I have some really strong reservations about the phrase overcoming objections. I prefer to think of it as handling a concern or, or, you know, helping helping to answer the customer's question. I said, but I do appreciate this is what they are known as. So for context, this is kind of the arena we're in. However, I would like you to think about them in this way rather than some clever, I don't know, some clever technique that you might have learned from than American sales training cassette tape sets when you were driving around as a sales rep back in the day, like, or any other country
2: sales training, it of course. Of course, Americans. no, 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 yeah. but uh, just I've the ones some... I
0: the, the cassette tapes that show my age that I used to listen to driving around <laughs> were from the United States of America. I'm just, I'm just, okay. I'm just uh, other
2: countries are
0: available, other 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 countries' <laughs> objection handling methods are indeed, are indeed available. We just point that out. Now, Mr. Jones, if only we had somebody who wasn't very masterful at using particular kind of language, uh, helping helping salespeople, particularly over the telephone. Now, <laughs> Anthony, I'm, I'm I'm not just poking fun. You are very, very masterful at this. But, for example, cold calling, you use a totally different phraseology, for example, don't you? Where, no, for people to think, about, think and talk about it.
1: Uh, it'd be, yeah, well, from a Inter- like internally talking to yourself, right? cold calling sounds cold and horrible, right? Uh, whereas prospecting sounds exciting. So you tend to find that that's the sort of language switch that you would tend to use there. Um, if you look at the three words that we're not supposed to use, technically, that's kind of the process of making a sale, right? You do a pitch, then you close the deal and you win, right? That's the thing. One thing that's I'm trying to prevent leaking out from my trading is Usually, once you've done your pitch, which, to be honest with you, usually gets renamed as a demo. Now, lots of time we do demos with clients rather than a pitch because I think that feels more uh, educational rather than sort of salesy. But before the close comes, you need to do some follow up. Um, And uh, uh, Simon, I'm a big advocate of I, I quote you all the time about not sending proposals or quotations. You tend to send. I, I usually, I think, I quote draft action document version one, so that yeah. it's very clear that this thing's going to evolve and 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 what have you. Um, but after doing that, I tell everybody you have to do this TFR, taking final responsibility of the next time you're going to speak to them. And the biggest area of pipeline constipation is usually once the proposal's gone out. OK, mm-hmm. so you need to book what is internally called the follow up call. OK, but I have to tell a lot of the people that I'm training, if you don't say to the client, OK, I'll send you this proposal. But let's book in a follow up call. Right. Because a follow up call basically sounds like you're trying, you're, you're now chasing them, you're following them up. You're, it's almost like you're tracking them. Whereas I tend to get them to change that round to could we just book in a, a sort of a 10 minute review call just so I can make sure that what I sent you <clears throat> makes sense. There's nothing missing. And then I always use the phrase of and I want to make sure of that conversation, you have all the information you need to decide whether or not you think we're a good fit. Yeah. OK, so I'm priming them for a decision call. I'm not calling it a decision call. Um, it is a follow up, but we're not saying it's a follow up because it then starts to feel like you're chasing. So that's a little bit of leakage that I notice with the training that I do, particularly on the telephone, is there is follow up that happens. OK, you have to stay in touch to maintain the relationship. But I think obviously it's not one of the three words we shouldn't be using, but it's one that I'm conscious that I try and get people to change and soften slightly. Um, Because pitching, winning and closing sounds like sales and selling and selling is a bit of a dirty word to a lot of people. Whereas the other way of thinking about it is that you're serving people. And I think if you use the serving language rather than the sales language, People, people want to be served, they don't want to be sold to. So I think yeah. for, for me, that, that's one of the things that if if people are pushing back and doing the whole, could you just email me or yeah, leave it with me, I'll call you, you're probably coming on too strong and you need to look at your language. But the great thing nowadays is with technology, often calls are recorded uh, and you're actually able to listen to them back and and, and analyze what you said, what yeah. kind of reaction you got. So but I think that, I really that's like my, that. my take on it.
0: I mean that, that language flows beautifully from I'll send you a draft I, I I say I either refer to it as a draft discussion document or a draft action plan, depending on what's appropriate for the customer. And then like yeah. the language of a review call, let's get, you know, and we can you can let me know what you like mm-hmm. or what you didn't or what needs changing is more in line mm-hmm. with the, the concept of continuing the discussion rather yeah. than rather than yeah. closing the sale and, or something uh, like that.
1: And the way that you frame the, uh, the the reason for that review call, you use some slightly different wordings to the objection handling that you mentioned earlier. Because I always say, basically, I just want to I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Firstly, so I did a good job. Customer service comes first. That I clarify anything that you're not 100% sure of, and I alleviate any concerns that you might have as well. So they're the objections, the concerns, like you said, yeah. you, you want to yeah. try Avoid objections. You're not going to say that to a client, are you? Are you? Well, I need to make sure I tackle all your objections next time you speak, Simon. I will. Yeah. Uh, can you make sure
0: your boss is on the call as well? Please? Yeah, let's get, a, <laughs> let's get a let's get a follow up call in place so that I can overcome any objections and get this sucker closed by the end yeah. of the month. Because I'm, I'm on, a, it, I'm, on <laughs> yeah. I'm on quota. Yeah, I'm
1: on a winning streak. So watch
2: Fair. out. I think what you might find is that the telephone number I gave you is unobtainable. Um, (laughs) um, But I think that, you know, Anthony's talking about, you know, using draft action plan documents or whatever. That's also important to you as the salesperson because it frames your mind. So if you call it a proposal, you are expecting an acceptance and not a rejection. Yeah. So You are down on one knee proposing um, and they are duty bound to accept it. So that, whereas if you're talking about a draft action plan, your brain goes into, okay, this is uh, just the beginning. Uh, We're going to produce a plan together and the outcome will be whatever you you're leading to. So actually the words we use frame our minds as well as the customer's minds. And so if you're, even if you don't use the words, pitch close and win with the customer if you use them internally you are framing it as this battle as this you know Ah. jousting tournament where you are you know the black knight determined to you know knock them off and they you know, lie prostrate on the ground, uh, only willing to accept whatever you say unless you stab them to death. You know, it's the, that's, that's the kind of framing that we have. It's that we are going to win, we're the victors, and you're the losers. Uh, and yeah. if you're using those words internally, that's what psychologically is happening to the minds of the salespeople. Whereas if you use words like Draft action plan, and you don't use words like follow up phone call, but you use review meeting or whatever. That's how
0: you, as a salesperson, think about it. Yeah, because it becomes a much more positive thing for both yeah. sides. I mean, language is like it's really it is is an abstraction, isn't it? It's a code, and 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 the phraseology, for example, that Anthony and I were just just sort of mentioning. That's not some clever technical reframey use use nice it represents our true intent and in the way we work with our clients yeah. and it's not just clever wordsmanship or linguistics it's a gen- genuinely that is the way we wish to engage with our with Ooh. our customers and i we think no it's the most successful way of, of the customer getting a good result and us getting a good and one result. thing I
2: think it's worthwhile pointing out because this is a hobby horse of mine
0: um, so, <laughs> one of one of several including sales targets as one yeah, of them
2: that <laughs> yeah. um, many sales people will have been on sales training courses which tell them effectively that words don't matter uh, because they'll have been told uh, nonsense oh, no. from uh, <laughs>
1: uh,
2: Dr Morabian that, you know, only 7% of communication is in the words uh, and that um, that most of it is tone of voice and body language. And yeah? i uh, just like to underline the fact that that is not what the research said. It's nope. been hugely misinterpreted <laughs> and that even Morabian himself, had to point yeah. out several times that that's not what his research said, despite the fact that people continue to say that's what he did say when he didn't say it. Oh. I would like you to try and get any business without using any words. If words don't matter, if
1: you can do, you can do that down the telephone, please let me know. Yep
2: yeah. how do you how do you phone people without words? Yeah. How do you write a document without words? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> words are more fundamental than anything else, and they frame the body language. They frame the uh, non-verbal communication. Ah. They frame the tone of voice you use. So, actually, the words are the most important, not the least important. So, poor is digit- digital
1: body language, I'll just say, digital body language emojis. Does that mean we're going to do a full thing of just constant emojis? And yeah, pictures we
2: just, and <laughs> yeah. But I'll try, try and win any sales pitch yeah. that's full of emojis that's all it is yeah
0: i feel so sorry for dr Moravian, who i have my understanding is still to this day is having to spend an awful lot of time trying, trying to correct this total misinterpretation of what his research actually says i mean it's, it's a like, bit I, I, Anthony, I'd like to book a follow-up call, which I will conduct entirely through the medium of mime, <laughs> to, to, to move this sale forward. To a, to, to, it, a, to a turn into charades, are
1: they now? Is that what's yeah.
0: gonna
2: It's a bit. It's a bit like <laughs> Google. Who uh, people will often repeat the myth that you can't have duplicate content on your website because Google will not index you, mm-hmm. and that's just completely wrong. Um, and Google, several times, have tried to dispel the myth. They've, they've mm-hmm. produced videos from the people who write the code saying this is not what our code does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can find these videos on YouTube. They've run, written blog posts about it, and yet the internet is still full of people saying, you know, the duplicate that Google has a duplicate content penalty. It is not true. And it, so even if Google can't dispel the myth about something, I'm quite sure that, you know, poor Dr. Moravian on his own is unable to dispel the myth. So anything we can do to help dispel the myth, I think Absolutely. is worthwhile. Well,
0: I was poking fun at Mr. Jones and his, his academia, but he did correctly do the decent academic thing and quote the sales strategy blog, for example. So quote your sources. But I think also if you do hear any of these things trotted out as part of your sales training or whatever it is, it's you're perfectly within your rights to ask for the backup research that supports it because you definitely don't want to be taking something incorrect and invalid and applying it to how you interact with your clients because then that's just that's just bad place that's just not a good not a good place to be. So the the, the language I'd say that we think the language is really important. I think that the interesting. The, those three pitch win close and the sales strategy blogs but yeah i think we've we've also taken this conversation a little bit further maybe around you know how you talk about the customer internally is going to reflect how you turn up for the customer externally and you know it's things like some customers sorry some clients have told me they have war rooms right you know they have a war room to work out how to how to win take deals through stuff think about the language you're using war war is a horrible thing right why would you want to be using that sort of language you know like war is definitely some not only does somebody lose but Somebody dies. I mean, like using that language. Let's have a war room, and it's all very macho, isn't it? testosterone and uh, and you know, I'm not sure that's really the language we want to be using internally because it is without a doubt going to leak, leak externally into attitudes and behaviour, and, and and with our with our customers. So I just so...
1: wonder if it's more internal language that's supposed to fire up your workforce that's just so outdated now that it's like you say, it is leaking out. I suppose my summary to what we've been talking about and comparing the two different styles is the the latter and the one that we're recommending is definitely more of a consultative type language and approach. It's the helping the customer to buy rather than the figuring out how to sell to them. Um and I think if you like you say, if you use that language internally, um, that, that can only help. War rooms, I don't think they're going to be the answer,
2: that's for sure. Yeah. It reminds me of a you know the choice of words, a, a speaker friend who uh, started his career as a motivational speaker. And so he went in to see a client, potential client and the client just sat back in his chair and said, go on then, motivate me. Um, and so so from that point he decided he was not going to be a he is a fantastic motivational person but doesn't call himself a motivational speaker so the words you choose to describe what you do the words you choose internally whether it's you know war rooms or Mm. you know whatever other words you use are really important because it influences not only what you do but what other people think about you
0: I mean, I, I do get booked to to do uh, whatever, a keynote, a speech, or a session sometimes at, uh, you know, sales kickoffs. And I definitely would not have that in my introduction for the Emmy. Oh, we're going to bring on Simon, who's motivation. is going to motivate. And you've got, like, half the audience folds their arms and goes, go on, then. Just tr- try to motivate me. You know, you're, you're <laughs> setting yourself up for failure, yeah. aren't you? Imagine the, the whole of the front row with their arms folded, glaring at you, going... Go on just try and motivate me, I dare you, you know. So, uh,
1: well, on, on on the notion of language, just to make sure that I can address the elephant in the room, I do understand being known as the telephone assassin might make me sound rather <laughs> aggressive. Um, however, I suppose the, the difference between the how that might be perceived, and maybe this is something that I need to look at, um, and the reality of what it is I actually do, um. I remember when The Wolf of Wall Street came out, and uh, somebody had pho- uh, two people phone me up and, and both saying, "I want to be a telephone terrorist." That was the language they used. So I was like, "Okay, you just watch The Wolf of Wall Street." Uh, so I went straight for, "Do you do you sell sort of shares? Is that what you do? You're working on the stock market?" And they were like, "Oh no no no, they they sell like services and products and stuff as well." And I went, oh, in which case, they, I don't think his approach is going to work for you." And they were like, "What do you mean? He made millions of pounds." I went, "Yeah, he went to prison." <laughs> uh, and I said, um, uh, for a reason, uh, by the way, because uh, he lied to everybody, and before they realized he was telling a lie, he'd already taken their money, and that's why it eventually caught up with him, and yeah, he ended up in prison. Uh, I said, Spoiler uh, alert
2: for the movie, yeah, by the
1: way. Yeah, sorry about that for anybody who's, uh, who's looking forward to watching it. I was going, uh, yeah, So you're thinking sort of telephone terrorists, think less, of, and at the time, I, this was bad phrasing, but I ended up saying, Think less of kind of the ISIS thing i'm a bit more james bond I'm, and this isn't me trying to be suave or anything but it it's subtle it's polite you're a gentleman you can sneak in use good manners and be well dressed be pr- uh, professional yeah there's yeah. it's a totally different style so anybody who yeah. hears the word assassin and thinks this guy's talking nonsense it, it's nowhere near as aggressive as it sounds it's actually about teaching a lot of it is around teaching manners and etiquette yeah. because it's amazing how disarming good manners can be uh, when trying to help somebody to buy. Uh, well,
0: we, we know we know you very well, and we know your tongue is very firmly inserted in your cheek when you use <laughs> the telephone assassin phraseology, right? So it's not... Sure, it's it not but religion. it's
2: worthwhile pointing out to our listeners that suave and sophisticated Anthony is sitting here in his um, white DJ and his... Bow tie, just like Mister Bond himself. Yeah. Bond. yeah,
1: pink bow tie. I I don't dress any other way. You know me, guys.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> always, always, absolutely. I've seen. I've I, I've had uh, many many an encounter with Mister Steers in person, yeah. and always, always in his tuxedo, pink bow tie <laughs> on brand, Anthony. Yeah, pink is part of your part of absolutely. your brand color. Enough of Andy's uh and Andy's Sorry. Anthony's sartorial elegance. Don't know who Andy is, he's not part of the sales chat show. Maybe he should be. Uh, no, no, so no, okay enough of Anthony's sartorial elegance. Um so thank you very much for listening to this episode, folks. Uh very, very uh I think important uh topic. Think about the language you're using, it represents your beliefs, your intention, your approach to your customers. Think about the language customers would like to hear uh, there are over 260 now episodes of the sales chat show in the back catalogue available from wherever you prefer to get your podcasts from and uh, so uh please go to either saleschatshow.com and you'll find them all there or wherever you prefer to get your podcast and please subscribe you'll be notified of new episodes which are released on a regular basis in the meantime we would like to wish you good luck and good selling folks